Courtney. Hey, Sasha. You know what I say whenever the patriarchy gets me down? No, what do you say? Oh, men. Huh. Oh, sorry. We need to do that joke again. That was a bad omen. Hey, it's spoop hour. Paranormal comedy podcast. I almost said poop hour. I saw the performing. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome back to Spoop Hour, a paranormal comedy podcast hosted by two Halloweenies. This is Sasha. This is Courtney. This is not Poop Hour. That's our yeah other podcast. No, that's our other podcast. Yeah, yeah. You can find Spoop Hour on Instagram and Twitter at Spoop Hour, and you can email us any of your thoughts at spoophour at gmail.com. Oh, we did have some people email us some stories. Ooh. Yay, listener mail. We love listener Yay. mail. Email us. We love it. It makes us happy. Yeah. While Courtney is sending me listener mail, I started playing a video game with my brother this week, and I have regrets, not because of the you game. You spending time with your brother. Yeah. It was, I have regrets that I didn't purchase the game myself on my account and then logged oh. into his machine with my account so then I can play the game at home by myself too. Now I'm just like beholden to playing at my brother's house with him. And I'm like, man, I don't want to pay another $70 to pay play this game by myself. But anyway, the game is called The Quarry. If you've ever played the game Until Dawn, it's basically the spiritual successor to that. Isn't that the game with Hayden Panettiere and a Yeti? Uh, or no, yeah, a Wendigo? Yeah. Wendigo, yep. You get yeah. to play a horror movie so you like you know during horror movies people are like screaming at the t- you know screen and like no girl don't do that don't go there no you're the guy's right behind you right mm-hmm. now you get to control the characters so Yay. like you get to make the decision of like okay go check out the trap door or don't <laughs> right and i'm like don't are, are any of the options simply leave because that's what i would do. <laughs> i wish like th- at the very beginning of the game the two characters that you see are making this decision not to go to the motel that the cop told them, the creepy cop told them to go to the creepy motel. I mean, and they're like, yeah, we're not going to go to the motel. Why would we listen to that? Yeah. And then bad things start happening. And I'm sure. just like, man, I wish there was an option to just like go to the motel and maybe you get a game over sign because nothing happens. Nothing bad happens the rest of the game. But, or you get those two characters extra on top of everything else. But anyway, <laughs> what got me about this Sorry, game. Sorry, is this the spooky thing that happened to you this is week? This I didn't spooky ask. Thing that, yeah. What yeah. spooky thing's happening this week, Sasha? Boom. So I'm playing this game with my brother, and there's this like dark, brooding character, and he's got his headphones in, and someone's like, what are you listening to? And he like doesn't hear them, so he's like, yeah, you know, gives them a thumbs up and like leaves, and then... No, thank you. I'm good. <laughs> later, when the kids are the teen teen camp counselors are talking about you know some weird thing that's happening, he's like, "Oh yeah, that's this thing." And they're like, "What? Where'd you learn about that?" He's like, "Um, this paranormal podcast I listened to." And I was like, "He listens to Spoop Hour." Confirmed. Spoop Confirmed. Hour listener. 
<laughs> but there's this like through line. There's a podcast called Bizarre Yet Bonafide, and it's a six part limited podcast series that exists. Like you can go find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, nice. and other major podcatchers right now. But it's a six part limited podcast series where paranormal investigators Grace and Anton reveal what the authorities don't want you to know about the truly bizarre goings on in North Kill, New York. Because this game is set in North Kill. And I'm just like, ah. That seems like a fine place like where nothing scary place. happens. Yeah. yeah. Has kill in the name. What could go wrong? Right? Basically, like any other notable paranormal podcasts, one of the hosts is a skeptic and the other one is a believer. <gasps> wow. Is one of them half Japanese? <laughs> Are there cats? <laughs> Episodes include The Boy Who Cried Bigfoot, Hangry for Revenge. Oh, that's that's a title. That's a spoop hour re- right? title right there. Hangry for Revenge. <laughs> and The Hag of Hackett's Quarry. And that's the one that like is like important to the game. Sure. But it's just really interesting because like, you know, you and I do a paranormal podcast and paranormal comedy podcast, at least. And mm-hmm. it's silly. We talk about like weird things and like fun things. And we have like a you know small following. This is also like that. But now hey. it's in a video game. And I just like feel so seen. But the game, because there's like so many story paths and whatever, as you collect evidence throughout the game, it influences the very, very end credit scene that you get. And so you get the podcasters either talking about, man, like, too bad about those kids that all died at that summer camp. <laughs> well, nothing we can do. And then like the end. <laughs> who wants to go to summer camp? Da, 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 da. <laughs> or too bad about those kids who didn't die at that summer camp, but who are now being charged with murder because everyone else died <laughs> at the summer camp. And but then if you collect enough evidence, then someone in the group of kids that you're c- controlling sends an anonymous package to Grace and Grace opens it on the air and is like looking through all the evidence with Anton and Anton start. He's the skeptic, but he starts like actually believing that all this happened. He's like, um, we need to take this to the cops. <laughs> <laughs> and Grace is like, what? We just found something really cool. And he's like, no, no, no I I think this is evidence. I think we need to take this to the police. And then, like, you know, spoilers, you, like, exonerate everyone. And, like, they actually believe that there were werewolves. (laughs) 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 So it was just, it was the spooky thing that happened to me this week is that I feel seen by the the greater media landscape because... (laughs) There are so many paranormal podcasts, but... If you helped develop this game and you base the paranormal <laughs> yeah, podcast you, on us... If you work for Supermassive or you work for 2K, let, let us know. <laughs> Hit us up. We'll send yeah. you some stickers. Thanks for the love. <laughs> if you don't work for them, but you still think it's us, hit us up. We'll send you some stickers. <laughs> Thanks for the love. How about you? Did anything spooky happen to you before we get to listener mail? Boy, oh boy. What spooky thing didn't happen to me? <laughs> so it's been... It's been a time for me, dear listener. So I'll open with the first one. I am currently recording from a different location than I usually am because I mentioned last time my partner went on a business trip. He had to travel for work and he came back and he had COVID. So... No! Yeah, so he tested positive. We're on day nine after he tested positive today. He's had a very mild case. We've been very lucky. And then by some miracle, I did not get it. Yeah. So that's like Jack when I got COVID. Yeah, get it. He got his test, his PCR test on a Saturday. I got mine that Sunday. I tested negative. 
And then I've continued at home testing since and I have developed no further sim by some miracle. I don't have it. So I'm currently in the bedroom because we've been sort of doing spheres of influence and wearing mm-hmm. masks when we have to be around each yep. other. But for the most part, just being in different parts of the house. So it's been a very scary time. I have mentioned that I've been living through my worst nightmare. And this is one of the worst possible incarnations of my worst nightmare. So but you'll get through it. We're that, hanging in there. Y- you guys are doing exactly what Jack and I did, and he didn't yeah. end up getting it because we wore masks when we had to share a space. Yeah. And m- all the rest of the time of the day, he just sequestered in his office, and then he slept yeah. on the couch, and I slept in the bedroom by myself. Yeah. Yeah. Jack's been sleeping in the guest room, mm-hmm. and I've been sleeping in the master bedroom. And yeah, I like. I think we've been cautious enough like during the day the guest room is also his office so during Mm. the day he just works from there maskless Mm -hmm. and I work downstairs maskless but then whenever you know we hear each other coming we pop a mask on and then if we have to spend time in close proximity it's it's mask but and and like I said the weather's good you can actually like open the windows yeah we've had the windows open the past two days except overnight just because the bedrooms get kind of warm with the sunlight and so overnight the wind isn't enough to cool it down for me to sleep so Uh, we turn the ac mm -hmm. on but like we have a new ac newish ac Mm -hmm. unit so ventilation's been fine so i think yeah i I think think yeah yeah i think you're again we've been very lucky he has a very mild case he didn't Mm -hmm. lose taste or smell he's had no brain fog he never had a fever he just Mm -hmm. had a little bit of congestion a very light cough oh nice but I'd like to encourage everyone to reflect on what they're doing and maybe (laughs) pop a mask on. I can't in any official capacity give you health advice. It's very important that I'm not advising you, but maybe consider your behaviors and make some choices Mm -hmm. because we're still in this thing. Yeah, let's make some good choices. Please and thank you. So... That's the elephant in the room scary thing that's been happening to me. And plus, because my life is a hilarious nightmare, I've been so worried about, like, is he going to get sicker? Am I going to get sick? Are we going to have to run a household when both of us are, like, out of commission and on and on and on? been a whole thing. I now also have a fun new fear anytime I get very stressed, which is that my shingles are going to come back because that's the trigger for shingles Mm -hmm. is extreme stress. So it's been a real fun nine days for me. Uh. It's just everything's fine. So that's the not fun spooky thing that happened to me. The second thing is a follow-up. So I mentioned last time the murder light in the basement, yes. right? Yeah, let's talk about the murder light. I've sent a video to Sasha. It was I didn't awful. want to post it just because it's it's really intense flashing, and I, I know flashing is an issue, so I didn't I didn't want to post it. But it, it's like the Stranger Things light. It's it's awful. It was horrible. Yeah. So I decided, I was like, you know what? He's not going to get back for a couple of days, and then it turns out he's going to come back with COVID, so he can't do anything. I was like, I'm going to be brave. I'm going to get on my little step stool and just like look at what kind of light it is and get the light bulb because it's probably going to need, you know, a specific kind of light bulb. So I'm going to have to order it from somebody. So I get on my little step stool and I start taking the little it's it's one of those like covered lights, Mm -hmm. like one of those not quite dome lights, but that kind of thing. Yeah. I take the cover off. And the whole thing comes out of the fucking ceiling, which startles me. So I lose my balance. So I almost fall off my step stool and die. So the murder light in the basement nook tried to kill me. Yep. And then it turned out it wasn't a regular light bulb. It's a fucking fluorescent tube light that has this horrible plug. And it's basically impossible to remove to the point where I had to consult my mom's boyfriend who professionally has electrician knowledge (laughs) because no one else knew how to get this fucking thing out of there. And even he had to give two guesses because the first thing he recommended did not work it's so, awful it was like, horrible I, she she showed me the photo of 
the the light and i was like the fuck is this that i will post it is a goddamn nightmare I, and so i, was I finally so got it out and it was a nightmare and then i i plugged the new stupid light in it was fine and it's fixed now so that's all that matters is it's fixed now i had to use a tiny flathead screwdriver to pry that fucking thing out of there mm-hmm. and then you know almost fell off the ladder a couple times whole thing stupid murder light but it's fixed now and then finally for context for this i've been rewatching the terrible mid-aughts show pretty little liars ha. i've spoken about as you my do affection for the show as i do when, i haven't watched it in years when we lived together you had rewatched it i think at least once <laughs> yeah that was the last time i watched it that was in like i want to say like 2016 yeah so it's been it's been a decent chunk of yeah. time and that's the kind of show where so much happens that i do not i can't hold it all in my head Mm-mm. like stuff that happened in season one by the time you get to the end of the series the show has also forgotten about like hey remember that time that hannah's mom stole a bunch of money from an old woman's safety deposit box and then nothing happened with it cool because that doesn't matter anymore yeah i've been re-watching it i've been seeing like weird a shit that you know if you're not yeah. familiar with the show someone ca- calling themselves a is like blackmailing them and making them do weird shit and like doing weird shit to them the other day all of a sudden my phone where i usually have it give me like the time and the weather gives me a notification saying leave now to arrive on time to New York slash East Coast. And I'm like, what? Because this was it. I think this was Thursday night. And I'm like, I don't have anything going on. It's a Thursday night and we're isolating right now. Like we're not going out into the world for obvious reasons. What the fuck phone? So I click on the notification to see like, did I set myself a reminder like, oh, don't forget to order this thing or whatever. And it doesn't take me to my calendar. It opens my GPS And my GPS is taking me to an unlabeled location in Alexandria, Virginia. This is this is strange. Maybe I just clicked on the wrong part of this reminder. And if I open it up, it'll just tell me like, oh, give such and such a call. They're based in Alexandria. So I try to open the notification again. Again, it opens my GPS and starts me a journey to this random undisclosed location in Alexandria. So anyway, A has hacked my phone Ah! and someone in Alexandria is trying to murder me. So that's what's been going on with me. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. It has been a time. It has been a time. Listeners, I still don't know what flavor baby I have. <laughs> I hope it's a cool ranch baby. I yeah, definitely not a flaming hot. Although <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Unfortunately, flaming hot Mountain Dew exists and I have had it. it. Uh, so you ha- why would you do so, that, Sasha? I, oh, you know what? This is probably during our hiatus, right? Oh. I haven't told you this story. No. The, I haven't told you the flaming hot Mountain Dew story. Nope. Okay, very quickly before I get to listener mail. Side note, Flamin' Hot Mountain Dew is a beautiful name for a baby. Right? Flamin' Hot Smoliv. <laughs> <laughs> so, Flamin' Hot Mountain Dew is a drink that exists. And one of our ESOL teachers, whose, like, desk is in the English workroom, left a can of it on, uh, on the free snacks table. And I was like, Haha, who would want to drink that? And he was like, ha right? I know. I have. And I was like, oh. <laughs> he was like, I brought this one. I was like, it's one of those things where it's like, just because you can doesn't mean you should, right? Yeah. Like, just because you can make Flamin' Hot Mountain Dew doesn't mean you should make Flamin' Hot Mountain Your Dew. Your scientists were like, so busy making Flamin' Hot Mountain Dew, they never stopped to think about if they should be making Flamin' Hot Mountain Dew. Right. Like, From at the acclaimed Costco, mid-90s film, Flamin' Hot Mountain Dew World. <laughs> 
at Costco, you can now buy like a variety pack of chips and they're all flaming hot. And so they have like flaming hot Funyuns, flaming hot Cheetos, flaming hot everything. It's it's become very difficult to impulse buy chips for me because I'm not the biggest fan of flaming hot. It's no. not that I dislike spicy stuff. I just it doesn't the taste flavor good. of flaming hot doesn't taste it like doesn't anything taste other than spicy. Yeah. And I'm like, if I'm gonna do spicy, I want it to be like tasty spicy, right. not that's just why, like, ooh, look how hot these chips are. That's why de bomb hot sauce from mm-hmm. hot ones, it's it tastes bad. It's yeah. it, it's not there's no purpose to it except to be hot. So that's yeah. my It's not like your Nando's hot sauce which has a really good, good flavor. flavor to yeah. it and it's spicy. So and it's tasty and spicy. Yeah, makes you it makes cry. your nose red. Clears your sinuses out. That's what. It's and it's great. That's what yeah. we want to do. So, so anyway. So I was like, haha, no, I'm never going to have this ever like fuck that. Um at the end of that school day, my dear friend Jeff comes in and he was like you can have a little caffeine, right? And I was like, yeah, I can have like 200 milligrams a day. Why? And he is, was like, is this what you want to use? Your and he was like, come with me. And I was like, we're not going to be drinking Flamin' Hot Mountain Dew, are we? And he was like, eh, we'll see. And he takes me to Julia's classroom and he has three little solo cups <laughs> set up and he's poured us all a tasting. <laughs> and so all three of us taste the Flamin' Hot Listener, it's awful. Don't drink it. Of course it it's, is. Of course it's awful, right? Unfortunately, <sighs> I was very thirsty that day, and I left my water oh, bottle no. at home. So I ended up drinking the entire cup that he gave me, which oh, is unfortunate. Honey. And I was meeting with a, two students after school, and I was like sipping on this, and they're like, Miss Duran, we thought you said that this is this tastes terrible. And I was like, oh, yeah, it tastes terrible. And they're like, why are you still drinking it? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I just can't stop drinking it. It's got this, like, like... It tastes like orange soda, and then it tastes like burning. And you're just like, oh. why is this happening to me? So, so it is truly flame and hot flavor, because so that's truly, what flame and yeah, hot tastes it, like. It just is burning, right? And like, it just it burned. Felt it like, doesn't um, taste good. I didn't ever have heartburn until I got pregnant, and mm. this felt like heartburn. It was just like you're drinking heartburn, and then ugh. later I got more heartburn. And so I was like, ugh, okay. So ugh. I tell my darling husband about Flamin' Hot Mountain Dew. I'm like, don't drink it. It's awful. It's just a marketing scheme. All of a sudden, all my sponsored ads on like Instagram and Twitter and everything are Flamin' Hot ads. So I told him about why it's terrible and we shouldn't get it. Sure. So then we go to, we go to Target because I need to get Mother's Day cards. And we're in the checkout line. And you know, they have the little drink kiosk at the checkout line. They have Flamin' Hot Mountain Dew in a bottle. Oh my God. And my, my darling husband takes out the thing, puts on the conveyor belt, and I take it and put it back in the fridge. And he takes it, puts it back on the conveyor belt. And I was like, I'm not buying this for you. And he was like, I want it. And I was like, you don't want it. It's terrible. This is a fun practice for when you have like a four-year-old. Right. Well, (laughs) we ended up buying it. And then he had to actually go into the office that week. So he had a taste testing with his coworkers and everyone agreed. It's awful. But for some reason, we can't stop drinking it. Because it's Mountain Dew and it's sugar and it's caffeine. So then for Mother's Day dinner that weekend, my little brother goes to the fridge, pours himself a drink, brings it to the table. It's oh a flaming red chalice, like in like in like a, basically in like a wine glass, he f- like flaming <laughs> red juice. And Ugh. I was like, oh, no, no, you didn't. And he brings the bottle out and He's like, I don't know. There's something about it. And my parents are like, it's going to make you sick because he has Crohn's and other digestive yes. issues. And he's like, don't I don't know. It's, it's worth hot, it. Horrible juice. He then has my 89-year-old grandmother try it. And she just immediately, like, starts coughing. And she's like, oh, my, that's... 
not like any Mountain Dew I've ever had. Oh my god. So it infiltrated the whole family. What mountain did this come from? I just, I'm so... (laughs) Anyway. Listener mail. (laughs) Side note, why did they call it Volcano Dew? Right, well, because Flamin' Hot is already, like... Flamin' Hot is a brand thing, and it's Mountain Dew, but, like, Mountain Dew Volcano Edition. How fun is that? So then I saw that, actually, Mountain Dew has another flavor that's supposed to be some kind of, like... I was really hoping it was going to be Cool Ranch Mountain Dew, but I it's mean, actually like Iceberry or something. It's it's, it's like a it's a, the the cool version versus the flaming version. So you so it's eat, like blue raspberry. Right, so you pair the Cool Mountain Dew with the Cool Ranch Doritos and the Flamin' Hot Mountain Dew with the Flamin' Hot Doritos. But like I was like, no, but Cool Ranch is like a thing. Like it's yeah. not the, the cool isn't the 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 modifier. Cool Ranch, yes, is the modifier. Ranch is yeah. Ranch so is it needs the to be ranch soda. It's just the, cool kind of rant. Right. Okay, so listener mail. Araceli writes to us and says, I want to start with... Have the- you ever tried Flame and Hot Mountain Dew? <laughs> <laughs> How did you know, Araceli? <laughs> I want to start with a few superstitions that we have if you're still interested. Of course we're yes. interested. An absolute no-no in our house is you do not whistle at night. Oh, Ooh. I'm going to Chekhov's gun that. <laughs> Chekhov's gun whistling at night. <laughs> it calls things to you that you don't want. It also is bad luck to have the open end of your pillowcases facing each other. They must be, oh, okay, I gotta keep that in mind. They must be facing out, and it is also bad luck to stir with a knife. Stir with a knife and you stir up strife. I like that. Oh, that's true. That's cute. Yeah, that's, I, like I like when that. things rhyme. Yeah. I will say right now there's only one pillow in this bed, because again, we've been yeah. sleeping in separate rooms, but... Right now, because my partner isn't in the bed, he doesn't like seeing the naked pillow in the pillowcase, and my pillow's kind of chunky and kind of spills out of the pillowcase. So right now, I'm enjoying the luxury of, like, having the open end facing (laughs) towards where his pillow would be. So, oopsie daisies. (laughs) Okay, and then they have a baby monitor story as well. Yes. Baby monitor story is not mine, so I'll try to remember the details. We barely used ours and opted for the cheapest, simple, two-way radio kind to avoid any kind of spooky stuff or people hacking into it. Smart. 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 On two counts. (laughs) Yep. A very common thing with the population I work with is having baby monitors set up, especially with dementia patients and hospice patients, for safety reasons. We had a family bring in a bunch of stuff after their loved one passed. One of the things was a very expensive infrared motion-detecting fancy baby monitor. Nope. That's so many terrible words for a baby monitor. (laughs) (laughs) The first thing the head hospice nurse asked was, is that a ghost detector? (laughs) I feel that. Dear hospice nurse, do you want to come on to Power? <laughs> Love, Courtney and Sasha. <laughs> Apparently, it would go off in the middle of the night all the time, and the family would go check on the patient who would be asleep. When they reviewed the recordings, they constantly saw people or shadows coming into the room, setting it off, and standing over the bed or moving around the room. Stop. They claimed it was just them in the house and didn't know who was coming into the room. Ah! I hate it. I hate it. But also, I kind of want to get an infrared camera and set it up just to see what would happen. But then I would be very scared of living here. But then I'm also curious to see if ghosts are here. Yeah. This is my eternal dilemma. <laughs> so thank you, Araceli, for sending that. Holy shit. We love it and we hate it. Thank you. <laughs> yes, thank you. Bless, but also, oh my god. <laughs> and then our second piece of listener mail is from Sierra. And says, as far as spooky baby shit, yes. <laughs> baby, sorry, as far, as far as spooky baby bullshit, sorry, yes. baby shit is spooky also spooky. Spooky baby shit is a different thing, yeah. but it is very spooky. <laughs> My oldest used to regularly say, good night, shadows, every night at bedtime. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly. Oh, that's cute. Like, anything to keep it from being scary, if you're like, oh, yeah, I'm not scared of the dark. Good night, dark. 
Bye. <laughs> See you tomorrow. There's been of late. There's been a couple web comics coming out where it's like a little kid yep. tells their their parents like, "Oh, I'm scared of whatever under the bed." And the parents like, "Yeah, me it's not too. Not my fucking problem." <laughs> Bye. <laughs> like, can you check under the beds? Like, I don't want to see what's under there. I don't want to know what's under there. Good night. <laughs> Another time we were talking about my grandfather, who my children never met. He passed before we got the chance. My oldest said, we were friends before I died. He was a nice man. And I was like, what do you mean before you died? And he said, yeah, that was a long time ago. <laughs> God, children. I love kids. Oof. It's so good, but also, yikes, I cannot wait for Babby to start talking. Yeah, Sierra, that's thank you be, for that. <laughs> yeah, thank you for that. That's, that's, oh, man. Oh, oh. oh man, oh, am man. I right? So. What are we talking about today? We are talking about omens. And portents and omens yeah. and prophecies and omens. Yeah, so, you know. Sorry for how complex the joke was, but also, oh, I'm man. not sorry. <laughs> oh, men. Um, you know, we know the ones that we're, like, mostly familiar with, right? Like, black yeah. cats, ladders, breaking mirrors, like, you hear All a dog's howl. the superstition stuff we've been doing. If you lose a wedding band, if you open an umbrella indoors, right? But we're Oh, gonna- I should say, real quick, we talked about the ring trick oh, yeah. last time. Mm-hmm. My mom did that with both my brother and I, and it accurately it predicted oh. what was coming out. So wow, yeah. Or should I just say it? Huh? Maybe I should try that. Yeah, I'll probably could, probably could get my results faster than thing. my doctor. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but Courtney and I are going to talk about other omens that maybe we are less familiar with. Yes. So I'm going ancient omens mm-hmm. and portents. Okay. And. As a side note, I opened my notes with, this isn't relevant to anything, but I am doing this research in my hammock, and it's making it at at least 15% more fun to do. Yeah. So, if you want to know where I was when most of this research was completed, Grading papers, doing research, doing homework, like, all that is more fun if you go do it somewhere that is, like, nice. Yeah, like a hammock. Like a hammock. And it's been nice the past couple of days. Oh, yeah. So, not, like, 9,000 degrees. You guys, the temperature dropped here. It's so nice. <laughs> right now it's 75 degrees outside. Yesterday which I think was perfect. Is like, it's like 24 Celsius, mm. I think, is 75-ish. We had dinner outside at my parents' house yesterday. It's, it was so nice. It's so nice. That's why I spent, I spent like, I spent a long enough time in my hammock yesterday that when I got out of my hammock, I had fucked up my inner ear a little bit. So I was getting that swimmy oh, yeah. feeling, mm-hmm. like when you've been on a really spinny roller coaster at, where it's just kind of like your body feels like it's tilting. Uh-huh. So that was how long I was in my hammock yesterday. Damn. <laughs> Good shit. All right. I will go first. This is coming from ancientorigins.net, learnreligions.com, oi.uschicago.edu, history cooperative, greeksa-less.nl, theodora.com, factsanddetails.com, wikipedia, britannica.com, and sacredtexts.com. Nice. So the roots of portents and omens reach all the way back to Mesopotamia when it was first recorded that a sign in the physical world could indicate future events. So bare bones definition of omens, Mm -hmm. that's what you got. You get a sign in the physical world and it's indicating what is to come. In Babylon, these observed signs in heaven and on earth were written down into a comprehensive collection that was considered a science text even though it gave no justification for why these omens were interpreted such a way. So it wasn't like... If you see a cow lying down, it means it's going to rain because the cow's liver can sense the rain coming or whatever. <laughs> it's it's literally just a cow laid down. So a it's a cow rain. lays down and it's going to rain. So don't worry about it. 
This is particularly thorny in terms of how legit the omens are, because a lot of them that were listed in this kind of comprehensive text weren't observed in the physical world. So they were like, oh, this is happening in the spirit realm, Mm -hmm. and that means this stuff was going to happen here. So if you were a Mesopotamian slash Babylonian priest, you could be like, hey, I felt some vibes, Mm -hmm. and those vibes mean you have to make me a cake. (laughs) What are you going to do? You can't fact check vibes. Right. Mm Mm-mm. So they're just like, no, no, it's in this, it's happening in the spirit world. Don't worry about it. So that's a little yeah. dicey. <laughs> Fun fact, the Babylonian compendium of omens circulated throughout the ancient world, influencing the interpretation of omens in Greek, Sanskrit, Hebrew, and other languages. And the guidance contained within this compendium also likely spread via oral tradition, like a lot of lore of various origins. So it was word of mouth and people actually had like physical copies of this text being like, oh, well, in Babylon, they say if a cow lays down, it's going to rain. So clearly cows laying down, we're getting rain. Ancient Egypt also had a big book of omens, specifically a collection of dreams that would indicate what was to come in the real world. Mm -hmm. The Egyptian Book of Dreams may have originated in the 12th century BCE, I assume. I don't know why I put 12th century. That seems late. Yeah. I'm assuming 12th century BCE. Yeah. So. A long ass time ago. A long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, the Egyptian Book of Dreams (laughs) explained both good and bad predictions based on dreams. Each omen is written as if a man sees himself in a dream doing X, good or bad, it means why will happen. So it would be like, if a man sees himself riding a horse, good. It means he'll find a new horse. That's a made up one. I don't, I don't know if there's any horse talk in the Egyptian Book of Dreams. Don't quote me on that. The best part, a lot of the omens were pun based. Oh. So one example relies on the fact that the words for great and donkey were homonyms. So if you had a dream in which you ate donkey meat, it meant you would become great. Great. Great, donkey. (laughs) Admittedly, it's unclear if historically this was a serious reference book or if it was more of an entertainment thing. Ancient Origins specifically compared it to, imagine future historians coming across the daily horoscope in the newspaper. Mm -hmm. They could say, oh, this was a crucial document for people in the 20th century. They referred to it every single day Mm -hmm. and they planned their days accordingly. But that's not necessarily... True. Like, most people aren't planning their lives around their daily horoscope. It's just a fun thing to read. So it's entirely possible that the Book of Dreams was like the daily horoscope, where it's like, oh, weird, I had a dream about a whale the other night. (laughs) Cool. Not like, I had a dream about a whale, so now I know this is going to happen. Right. It's hard to say. We don't don't know what the motivations behind it were. Nightmares had a pretty broad reach as a bad omen, Mm -hmm. just in the whole world. yeah. Yeah. Pliny the Elder. Is it Pliny? Pliny? I thought it was Pliny. I don't know. I think it's potato, potato. <laughs> potato the Elder told of a man named M. Servilius Nonianus, mm-hmm. who had nightmares about losing his sight. To avert the potential future this predicted, he wore a lucky charm necklace consisting of the Greek letters Alpha and Rho. Consul Mucianus was also afraid of losing his eyesight after having some nightmares, so he carried a live fly in a white cloth to keep the omen from coming true. Oh. Pleaty the Elder reported that both methods worked because neither man lost his vision. Good for him. So did they work or were they just not going to lose their vision anyway? Well, and they were just scared of a weird dream. Yeah. <laughs> Who's to say? Buddhism also has at least one important dream onan. Allegedly, the night the Buddha was conceived, his mother had a dream about a young elephant descending from the sky. 
The elephant was bright white and had six tusks, and it went into her womb, and I put in my notes, yikes on bikes. <laughs> Just, can you imagine having a dream in which a bright white elephant with six tusks is like, hello, whoop. <laughs> no, thank you. Like, I'm scared of it coming out of my womb. Now imagine the elephant going, going up in. the womb. And it's an elephant. They're not small. No. Even when they're born, they're not small. Mm-mm. When they're born, they're like 180 pounds. No, thank you. Like, no, thank you. And it's got a bunch of tusks, so it's sharp. Ah. No, thank you. At that precise moment in her dream, though, thousands of gods appeared before her and praised her with songs, so she knew something big and good was coming. And what was happening was she had conceived the Buddha. Yeah, good for her. I know we talked about babies and how they are made last time, but a big omen in ancient times concerned the Hittites and the timing of a birth. Per the Hittites, if a baby was born in the first month of the year, it meant that the child would demolish their house. I put in my notes, good thing Sasha's due in December, am I right? (laughs) 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 Unfortunately for the Hittites, there were only two months out of the year that were good for a child's birth, and that's in their eight-month year, Uh so that's... A quarter of the months in the year, you're going to have an okay time of it. All the other ones? Nope. Swing and a miss. So if a child was born in the second month of the year, it meant they would be healthy of heart. And if they were born in the seventh month, a god would favor the child. All the other months, it's got to be bad news bears. But those two, gold stars. Great. And then Alexander the Great had quite a few omens associated with him and the things he did, which makes a lot of sense because he did a lot of things Mm -hmm. and was a pretty well-known dude. Plutarch noted in his Life of Alexander that during Alexander's siege of Tyre, a lot of the Tyrians, Tyrians, Tyr, 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 Tyr? Tyr? I, don't I don't know. know. During his siege of that place, of, of that place, that tea place, Courtney, why didn't you look these up? I was in a hammock. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of Tyrians dreamt that Apollo was flying away from them to Alexander. And so they took this to mean that the city would fall to Alexander because Apollo was favoring him. And they responded by wrapping the city statue of Apollo in cords and nailing it to his pedestal, being like, fuck you, let's see you leave now, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) They also called the statue an Alexandris to be like, tighten up and fly right, buddy, you live here. (laughs) In this town, we can't say. (laughs) Later, Alexander the Great's death was predicted thanks to a bunch of omens. So first, as he approached Babylon, which is the place where he would eventually die, Mm. he was navigating his ship through a swamp and a big wind kicked up. The wind pulled his royal hat off of his head because it was a really big wind. So it was just like, boop, this is my hat now. And it carried the hat over to some reeds where the ribbon from the hat got tangled. And near the reeds were the graves of allegedly all old kings of Assyria because the legend was that all old kings of Assyria were buried in this swamp. Maybe not a great sign that the royal hat is like, I'm going to hang out with the dead people. Right, Uh uh-oh. Well, then, one of Alexander's very loyal sailors wasted no time and leapt overboard to swim and get the hat. But on the way back to the ship, the sailor put the hat on Uh his head to keep it from getting muddy, because he was swimming through the swamp, you know? And so he's like, I don't want the royal hat to get all muddy as I, you know, doggy paddle. I'm going to plop it on my head for safekeeping. So he gets back aboard, and Alexander's like, thanks, bro, for grabbing my hat. BT dubs, enjoy getting beheaded, because you didn't ask permission to leave the ship, and you wore the royal hat. He's like, I was just trying to help! Yeah, so there was a prophecy at the time that misfortunes would follow any time, quote, another head except that of the king would wear his diadem. Uh, I put in my notes, it's also possible Alexander was kind of a dick. Yeah. Yeah, have we Maybe not the head people who put their hat on your head because they don't want it to get all swampy. Yeah. Did you want a swamp hat? Because that's how you get a swamp hat. (sighs) 
dick. Yeah, for real. Once off the boat, a bunch of ravens or crows fell dead at his feet. But still, Alexander was like, this seems fine. I'm not this worried about fine. this. Just like, a sh- just like, can you imagine you're walking around and just 10 birds just drop dead at your feet? That's fine. I would go home. I would simply call it a day. Yeah. yeah and he's just like, oh, this is whatever. He's like, that's fine. Yeah. You know, I'm just going to go about my day. Huh? Doot, doot, doot. <laughs> don't, don't think that means anything. <laughs> When he finally made it to Babylon, Alexander went to deal with his empire and general army stuff, and this left his throne and his royal accessories unattended. So a tricksy Babylonian prison escapee plopped himself on the throne and donned the royal mantle and crown. And remember the whole thing about the other uh-huh. head and the diadem and da 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 The prisoner was caught and punished very quickly, but he insisted it wasn't his idea and that the gods told him to do it. Oh, no. So I don't think that saved him from punishment. Yeah. But all the advisors were like, well, that's weird that gods would be like, hey, go put on that hat, bro. Why right. dare you? Like, oh, but no. He brought God into it. The gods. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then I couldn't find a clear historical timeline of these other omens, mm-hmm. but they are also usually brought up to indicate that, like, Alexander was going to be super densies. Mm-hmm. There was one that said a sacrificed animal had no lobe in his liver. So a lot of the ways they used to read omens during animal sacrifice was by consulting the liver because it was believed to be the seat of blood and life itself. Mm-hmm. Like in ancient cultures, the liver was probably more important than the heart because this was like, this was the vitality sign. And the liver had three lobes that indicated different things. So the fact that whatever sacrificed animal was missing a lobe in its liver was a very bad sign. Cause it's like, we can't, I don't, it's missing this big chunk. Mm-hmm. Yikes. Mm -mm. Another thing that happened was a lion at Alexander's menagerie, which may have been his biggest and most handsome lion, (laughs) got attacked and killed by a tame donkey. And I put in my notes, are there not tamed donkeys? Are there just wild donkeys running around? I guess there could be wild donkeys. Like, there's wild horses. Yeah, that's true. So... But this was a tame one. Okay. So that's a pretty intense thing to happen is that this donkey is like, hey, lion, fuck you, and just like kicked him in the face and then the lion died. Then while attending a funeral pyre of an Indian philosopher, Alexander got snubbed by a philosopher who refused to greet him then, saying instead he'd meet him at Babylon and salute him there. This one is a little confirmation biasy because after Alexander died at Babylon, suddenly everybody's like, oh, that philosopher meant, oh, I'll salute you when you're dead in Babylon. Oh, and it's like, I mean, maybe he was just like, oh, I'll see you in Babylon, bro. Yeah. I'll see you yeah. in hell. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see you in Babylon, hell. At some point, someone else waited for Alexander to strip and head out to be anointed, swiped his royal garb, and again plopped himself on the royal throne. I put in my notes, you would think Alexander would stop leaving his accessories and throne unguarded, but maybe that's just me. Like, this happens a lot. Like, at least twice. And we all know how he feels about other people wearing his hat. Yeah, he hates hates it. it. All this led up to late May, 323 BCE, At a feast, Alexander drank a lot of wine, and then he started feeling sick. Who doesn't after drinking a lot of wine? He then got a fever and got worse from there. Less than two weeks later, he was dead. Cause of death is speculated to be anything from malaria to pancreatitis to alcoholism exacerbated by a broken heart from the death of his best friend slash probable lover, Hephaestion. And to panic, to poison, like, there's a lot of... they're, They're not really sure. They're like... He died. Also, What's people be dying. 
people be dying. It was hard back yeah, then. And so, I'm sure he didn't have a good diet die. and he had a high strat life. Yeah. Sometimes people just drop dead. Like that's what his, bro, I think his bro drank himself to death. Yeah. Hephaestian. And his then liver wasn't functioning. A, yeah. And I say it's his bro. Like <sighs> history oftentimes calls them best friends, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of paintings of them, like tenderly caressing each other's faces. And so other historians are like, okay, they were, wink, wink, friends. best friends, yeah. happy pride. And there was only one bed. So <laughs> so when his friend died, he was, he was pretty oh, on the outs. Oh, yeah. As you would be like you if your friend, wink, 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 died. Right? Yeah. Makes sense. And, and then to move away from Alexander the Great, ancient Rome brings us the Sibylline books. So a Sibyl was a prophetess or oracle in Greek legend who was usually an old, old woman who recited her prophecies in Greek hexameters before writing them down on scrolls and passing them along. One such Sibyl is responsible for the Sibylline books making their way to ancient Rome. As the legend goes, and I love this story, this Sibyl offered her collection of prophecies slash warnings to Lucius Tarquinius Superbus. And I put in my notes, I'm aware that it's Superbus, but boy, howdy, do I want to read it Superbus. So guess what I'm going to do? Superbus. Yep. Superbus was the last king of Rome. So if anybody was going to pay a hefty price for nine books of prophecy, it was him. So she came to the right guy. But Superbus turned down the offer. So the Sybil was like, all right then, and threw three books into the fire. She then offered Superbus the remaining six books for the same price as the original nine. Presumably, Superbus was like, that's a way worse deal. I'm not doing that. No, thank you. So once again, the Sybil threw three of the books into the fire. And then she turned to Superbus and offered him these three books, again at the same price for the original nine. But this time, Superbus said yes. And maybe this is why Rome decided it was done with kings, because he was the last king of Rome, because this clown could have bought nine books of prophecy for the cost of nine books of prophecy. And instead, he bought three books of prophecy for the cost of nine books of prophecy. That's super bus. <laughs> super bus then kept the Sibylline books in a sacred vault beneath the temple of Jupiter and Capitoline. Mm-hmm. These books were of crucial importance to the Roman Senate in particular, and they were regularly consulted in times of crisis, disaster, or calamity. So imagine how great it would have been if they had all nine. Right. The books were so important that two patricians were initially charged with caring for them, but then in 367 BCE, that number increased to five patricians and five plebeians to serve as custodians. So 10 people looking after three books. Then it increased again to 15 people for three books. So that's five people a book. Could have been nine. Could have been nine. (laughs) Then that number, think of how many custodians we would have needed then. Probably 30. (laughs) These custodians were appointed to serve for life, and they were under orders to consult the Sibylline books only when necessary. So they couldn't just casually flip Mm -hmm. them. It was like, we only look at the... It's a break glass in case of emergency situation. Most likely, what was contained in the books weren't specific prophecies or omens, but instead observances and practices needed to avert the bad vibes of potential prophecies or omens. So... If you think a comet is coming, let's crack open these books and see what we need to do to appease the gods so they stop throwing rocks at us. Or, oh, hey, there's a lot of earthquakes happening. I bet the Sibylline books say what to do in the event to appease the gods who cause Mm -hmm. earthquakes. Here's the issue with these books, though. 
only the interpretation of the text was made available to the public, not the text itself. So oracles or shifty senators could say, oh, these books said you should give me all your money and it's going to make the reign of frogs stop, (laughs) regardless of whether or not that was actually in the books. So you could say anything was Mm -hmm. in there. And as we all know about ancient Rome, it was a very innocent and not at all corrupt time, so no abuses ever occurred with the Sibylline books. It's not true. Obviously. Also, if someone now offers you your very own copy of these Sibylline books, don't believe them. These books were accidentally burned in 83 BCE, and when Emperor Augustus scoured the world for a similar book of omens, what he found was then destroyed in the 5th century. Hmm. After that, pseudo-Sibylline books emerged that mostly contained Judeo-Christian lore, including the stories about the Garden of Eden, the Tower of Babel, etc., etc. It's possible that they had remnants of the original Sibylline books in them, but there's no way of Mm -hmm. knowing if they were actually based on them, if it was just something somebody made up and said, yeah, that's those. Mm -hmm. Also, fun fact, this is unrelated to anything, I just wanted to share it. Women holding a spindle in public was considered a bad omen by the Romans, and it could cause crops to fail. Oh. Women. So, no spindles. In general, the ancient Romans were big on omens and prophecies. Official state business was never really held without first consulting omens. To do this, the augur, who was a priest and official in classic Rome, would consult the flight of birds to look for auspices, which were just signs from birds. (laughs) Using his staff, the augur would mark a square on the ground from which the omens could be observed, and then he would peace out and leave the actual observing to a state official. Once the official observed some bird activity, he would then consult with the auger, who would determine the meaning of the bird activity. Mm. So he was an expert in bird law. Some of the things that could impact the meaning of auspices, what birds passed through the square? Mm. Where were they specifically? What direction were they flying? How fast were they going? How high above the ground were they? Mm. Was there a bolt of lightning during the taking of the auspices? If so, it's it was really good luck if there was a bolt of lightning during the taking of the auspices, mm. but... Any time after that, doesn't matter if it was seconds after you were done taking it or hours or Mm -hmm. days, extremely bad luck for there to be lightning after that. If the bird news was bad, it could bring state business to a grinding halt. New laws could be declared invalid if the omens weren't observed or if they were bad. When Caesar started doing Caesar things, Marcus Bibulus tried to stop Caesar's laws from being passed on the grounds of omens. Unfortunately, Caesar was like, that sign won't stop me because I can't read omens. (laughs) Although Marcus did succeed in making the assembly nervous and making the public skeptical of Caesar's laws. Mm -hmm. Because Caesar was like, I'm not listening to a bunch of fucking birds, man. Mm -hmm. What are we doing here? But everybody else was like, I don't know. The birds have been right before. Can we really risk not listening to the birds? And then remember the stuff with lightning? Mm -hmm. One time in 114 BCE, a Vestal Virgin was struck by lightning. Obviously, the Romans freaked out about it because here you have a terrible omen literally killing your symbol of spiritualism. Mm -hmm. So they were like, oh, shit, this is really bad. But they had a committee look into the matter and they assumed it was the Vestal Virgins themselves that had caused the problem. And they figured the one struck by lightning had probably broken her vows. So she had been punished by the gods for, you know, doing non-Vestal Virgin shit. To be safe, though, they decided to consult the Sibylline books to see what they recommended be done after such a calamity, and the interpretation of the text saw them taking two couples and burying them alive. Okay. And auspices were so clutch in Roman times that even the army would bring cages with, and I quote, sacred chickens in them. 
They would then crumple cake before the sacred chicken to see if the bird would eat, and then they would determine if that was a good or bad omen. Presumably it was good if the bird ate the cake, and it was bad if the bird didn't eat the cake. So that's... Boyd's. That's... Boyd's. <laughs> Historically, birds and cake were really big yeah. deal. Like, sacred chickens, man. Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, some really quickly bad omens around the world, and then I'll talk about how we can, like, avoid or get rid of omens if we can. So, okay, on the Isle of Man uh, in the Irish Sea, there is, rats are particularly a bad omen. So we just talked about hmm. birds. We're going to talk about rats. But it's not necessarily the sight of them. Basically, if you speak the euphemistic word for them, for rats, it brings bad luck. The euphemism is long tail, and when it's spoken, it has been purported to bring bad luck and extended bad weather to all of the uh, all those on the islands. The omen can be traced back to nautical days when rats were a sign of disease aboard sailing vessels, uh, and if a s- sailor spoke the word aloud, it might mean storms and rough seas for the rest of the journey. So you don't want to acknowledge uh, the long tails, basically. You- you just let the rats do their yeah, rat just thing. ignore them. Yep. Okay. So we've talked before about how like the number four in like East Asian cultures can be bad luck. There's also in within China, there's like some that do with facial hair or like howlings of dogs late at night. But one of them involves just like a pretty commonplace item, clocks. <laughs> if you give a oh. clock to someone in China, it's actually considered very rude because it implies that you're counting the gift recipient's time left on earth. And the Jesus. Mandarin word for clock is also a homonym for attending a funeral or a wake. And then the omen is actually familiar to Cantonese speakers as well. So because they have something similar to do like with bad luck and clocks as well. So <laughs> like, yeah, clocks, don't give them, buy it for yourself. Don't give it as a gift. Yeah. Or if you want to fuck with somebody, be like, here's a clock counting down the minutes, you <laughs> asshole. Here's a clock. <laughs> Staunch Orthodox Greeks know that seeing a priest walking in the street is bad luck or a foreboding sign. A priest in the street could mean any number of bad things. Perhaps he's heading to a death or an exorcism. But if you say one particular word to them, it may ensure that he will not come to pay you a visit. And the Greek word is uh, skorda, and it translates to garlic. <laughs> because garlic <laughs> vampires in wards Greece? off evil spirits. <laughs> Oh. So, side note, you know what they say, a priest in the streets, <laughs> an omen in the sheets. <laughs> in H- Hindu cultures, the goddess Lakshmi brings wealth to her devotees, and if you sweep your house past sunset, you drive the goddess out, and you send away good luck oh. from your family and invite bad luck in, which I feel like is kind of like the Japanese New Year's thing, right? You don't want to sweep yeah, out. there's a lot of broom stuff. Yeah. Well, and it's... So maybe just don't yeah, sweep. Yeah, it's believed that Lakshmi only visits after sunset, so you don't want... She doesn't want to visit while you're cleaning, so don't do it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, who does? It's really awkward to be at somebody's house when they're cleaning. <laughs> I think we've talked about... We, we might have talked about this one before, but I just thought it was interesting. So Italians hold bread in very high esteem, and so there's a lot of superstitions around them. Who doesn't? Them, right? Oh my god, I fucking love bread. I if you find bread. a loaf of bread upside down, that's a bad omen. It could spell misfortune for you and your family. Basically, the Christian belief is that bread is the body of Christ, which basically renders it holy. So it has to be kept face up. You don't want to put, you know, Christ face down. You don't want to spin Christ over. (laughs) And then also, you don't want to find a loaf of bread with just a knife stuck in it. That's also bad. To be fair, who is doing that? That's weird. (laughs) That's some pretty little liars like A shit. Like, 
first it's this loaf, next it's you, kisses A. Like, come on. <laughs> there aren't a lot of bad omens that sp- apply to specific genders. Most of them are just, like, generally, like high-level, like, umbrella omens. But in Russia, if an unmarried girl sits at a corner of the table, she'll stay unmarried for the rest of her life or seven years, depending on who you hear it from. (laughs) Some people of Russian descent believe the omen also applies to young men as well, but generally speaking, it's directed towards young girls and women. Sitting at the head of the table is fine, though. So you could put a girl at the head of the table, just you can't have her sitting at the corner of a table. I'm pretty sure I've sat yeah. at the corner of tables. Um, there's also the Russian superstition of not stepping over someone on the ground, and then also don't leave your purse on the floor. I've heard purse on the floor before from people who apparently their moms used to say, purse on the floor, always poor. Oh, interesting. So maybe <laughs> so that's it was, that. It yeah. was, they always like, like one of the people I knew who said it, she had one of those like hooks that you oh, put yeah, on a yeah, table yeah. and it holds mm-hmm. your purse for you. And part of why she had that is because growing up, her mom purse always said purse on the floor, always oh, poor. Oh, nice. <laughs> So bats can be a sign of bad luck in many countries, and Germany especially holds them as a bad omen. There's a German saying that the devil is after you if a bat flies into your house. And then there's also a Slovenian tradition that maintains that a bat in the attic means someone in your house will die soon. Dang. And basically, most worldwide variations of any bat omens are all bad. Bad. Which concerns me, because last night, while we were having dinner, after we had dinner at my parents' house... We were counting bats in the backyard, and then when we were driving out of my parents' neighborhood, I counted like another ten. And it's great yeah, because we love we, we love we love to see a bat. Oh, we yeah. love to see they increasing eat so many bat populations. Yes, they eat your mosquitoes. Like we have a bat yeah. house in my backyard. Love bat houses. Love bat. Box. Yeah, apparently, apparently those are bad omens. My favorite bat story is that my old band director when I was working with the band was afraid of bats and a bat flew into the cabin but he wasn't there Mm -hmm. and we all just were like we all everyone who was in the room and saw the bat we all agreed we weren't going to say anything and then later on that week the bat showed up and (laughs) chaos ensued (laughs) have you seen the video of the Irish family that has a bat in their kitchen I think so it's they try to catch it in a pot. Hysterical. Yeah, yeah they, they try to catch it. They like try to throw a towel yeah. on it. And like one of the people is like, Daddy, he's making a mockery of you. Daddy, <laughs> oh, the dog's pissing. It's so <laughs> funny. That. If you have not seen it, just Google Irish family Irish bat. Irish family it's bat. so good. And then yeah. this last omen, my mom always called me out on this when I was a kid. I'm very Uh-oh. good at whistling. But if you're in Japan and you oh. whistle at night as you're sauntering down the street, uh, you might get a few nasty looks because according to folk tradition, night whistling attracts snakes to the village or... The, Basically, or the city of the person who's like whistling. Oh, my mom. Araceli was on the right, right track. Like, my mom never said anything specifically about snakes. She was like, "You just don't want to attract anything bad. Like, you don't want to call call yeah. something bad to you." But apparently, some parts of Japan, it's snakes. Hmm. This is a bad omen if you're afraid of snakes. But some snakes are good omens. A white snake, for instance, means you're in good, for some good fortune. And also, if you find hmm. a snake skin, it's considered lucky. And people are often con- encouraged to keep any snake skins they come across, as they supposedly act in a similar fashion to a rabbit's foot because of this omen's tradition whistling isn't a particularly popular practice in japan but you also won't find a lot of snakes in major cities so you know it doesn't not work (laughs) so if you want to get rid of a bad omen sorry turns out you can't (laughs) oops according to uh magical spot that's spelled the k magical um you i was like where do you put the k in spot (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm so <Magical>. stupid. <laughs> 
spot with a silent K. Yeah, you can't really necessarily get rid of the bad omen, but you can fight its negativity. So we've talked about things like this before with like, you know, bad superstitions or just like getting rid of bad luck. But basically, first thing you can do is just stay positive because there's really no way to fight negativity than just like try to fight that with light, right? If some bad omen shows up in your house or comes across, you know, you come across it, just simply laugh at it and try not to take things too seriously because you don't want to charge it with more negative energy. If you see a black cat, you don't want to be like, oh no, you want to just be like, look at that cat. It's cute. Yeah, Here's some I, ham. I feel like if you're... <laughs> yes, just throw ham at <laughs> And then have it go backwards. <laughs> just, I feel like, wouldn't it make the spirits angry that you laugh on them? Like, I think it's... I feel like that would backfire. You're, you're telling it, I ain't afraid of no omens, right? Yeah, we're cool. This omen ain't <laughs> shit. <laughs> Stupid cool. omen. Yeah. We're... Everybody's fine. We're all it's laughing. Fine. Yeah, we're fine. We're fine. It's fine. It's great. It's fine. Yeah, I don't see you, Omen. You're not there. If I don't even acknowledge you, you're not even there. Yeah. This sign won't stop me because I can't read Omen. Right. Yeah. I can't read this. So yeah. I can't. Yeah. LOL. I can't read. <laughs> you can also cleanse your space, right? If after a bad Omen, you sense something's quite off about your space, you can cleanse your space with either cleansing rituals or spells or um, smudging. But remember to smudge responsibly. Right? Yes. Please smudge responsibly. And then you can open up your windows and let that bad energy and negativity go away. Hmm. You can also use a talisman for protection. So if you have like a special talisman that you can use for protection, then that now is the time to wear it. Um, if a bad mm-hmm. omen was strictly related to you, basically keep it on your person. If it's generally related to you or your household, keep it on a shelf or display it where you can like look at it and like make it work mm-hmm. its positive energy. Sure. Um, and you can also draw a sigil. Right, and there's lots of sigils you can use to create either a custom one to help you ward off the omen or protect you, or try to like find one that's like applicable to the omen. Okay, and you know if you can draw the sigil right where the bad omen took place, or like you know oh, this is where I saw like, that black cat. Draw the sigil. Yeah, you know, draw the sigil right there. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, there's there's ways to try to push it off, but. Yeah, Once to it, try and, like, pro- it's more about protecting yourself rather than calling off the omen. Yeah, like, so... Although, if you had the Sibylline books, you could probably call off the omen. Right. And the Sibylline books say to give me all of your money and also several pieces of yeah. cheese. Yeah, so there's not necessarily, like, preventative measures you can take, and there's also not curative yeah. measures, but there is a way to, like, stave it off. Yeah. It's like, you can't stop yourself from being run through with a sword, but you can carry a shield. Right. Or position your body so. so you get run through only on the left in side. In the good spot, yeah. yeah in the good spot. <laughs> only through the liver. There's no there's no <laughs> organs there. No, what about the liver? What, what? liver? No. <laughs> if you have not watched Our Flag Means Death, you should. It's When just... you were talking about the liver earlier, I was like, yeah. I'm just thinking Our Flag Means Death. Means yes, death. Yeah. The liver, what does that even do? I don't even know what that is. Come on. <laughs> Apparently, <laughs> we can tell if, you know, omens are... Impending. Omens are in the liver. Yeah. That's what's going on in the liver. It's just a bunch of omens. <laughs> so, all right. Well, what omens have you been aware of? Have you seen the movie The Omen? Which I believe is about the woman who gives birth to the Antichrist. Like, her kid comes out and I was going to talk about evil. that, and then I decided not to. I was like, I don't yeah. know how related this is. Yeah, I don't know why that movie's called The Omen. I don't know what it's predicting, other than, like, your kid is going to be the Antichrist. Oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> 
for listening. <laughs> Nailed it. That was beautiful. Thank you for listening. Email us your superstitions, your weird baby stories, your weird things that have happened. That time you saw a weird shadow, you know, spooky shit that's happening. That time your phone tried to get you to a second location and murder you. Email at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter and Instagram. Do you have a hammock? Do you love it? Do you want to talk about hammocks? Email at gmail.com. Just hang in there. Watch out for omens. Be safe. Oh, man.